welcome everyone to another episode of Kindling the Hearthfire. How is everyone? Um, I hope everyone is having a good year so far. Um, I had a wonderful time celebrating the season with my Grove mates, and I hope everyone else is having a wonderful season. I also want to say hi to my listeners in the Southern Hemisphere. I hope you are also having a great time with your celebrations. I believe it's the beginning of summer. Um, it's, um, Lunasa or, um, yeah, I believe it's Lunasa, but correct me if I'm wrong, but hope you guys are having a great time, no matter what you're celebrating, no matter what you're doing and where you are in the world. Um, right now you can find our podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, and on Patreon. We're having a little bit of issue with Podbean once again, technical difficulties. Uh, that's what we were dealing with in that last couple months amongst other things which made it difficult to create a podcast when your main oh gosh what is the word distributor of the podcast was down so that was fun Uh, so but we are back up on stitcher itunes and on patreon as well i'll be updating patreon later today um i would appreciate any and all reviews and specifically on iTunes and maybe even on Facebook, if you're on Facebook. Um, But mostly on iTunes because it does make it easier for people to find us. And also on Anchor as well because there is an option where you can actually put in a audio post that is editable by me and I can actually put it on the podcast. So if you want to be heard on the podcast and you also want your opinion heard by me, um, Anchor is a good way to go, and you can also email me or find me on Facebook. I'm fairly easy to find. Just look up Kindling the Hearthfire podcast, and I am there. So, thank you guys for listening, and go and check all of those out, and maybe even help support the podcast. Now, all websites will be listed with links in the show notes as they become available, as per usual. Now on to the rest of the podcast. All right. Last time we were talking, or if you were listening to the bonus episodes a couple days ago, I was doing a Bridget Along with the Sassafras Grove for 2020. They do that every year. Um, I believe since 2017. It may go back a little further than that, but... That's what I could find. From 2017, they've been doing this thing where they take the nine days before in bulk and go through and rediscover Bridget in all of her aspects and connected with the virtues and really deeply connect with the goddess Bridget during her time of year. So I kind of want to continue in that kind of vein Um, by going back into Ireland to discuss traditions and cultures for that um, area. One, because it connects with the Bridget Along that I just finished, but also because I like coming back to Imbol occasionally in the Irish tradition because that is where I got my start. And it's the one I'm most familiar with and I'm most deeply connected to. And it's kind of a tradition for me to change up my personal altar the day before official in bulk 
and switch up a couple of the items that are on my altar. Um, I'll take a picture later and post it up on Facebook to give you an image of it cleaned up and put back together the way that it would be um, for in bulk and the coming year. Because it's a different setup than I do the same thing during Samhain. Um, starting off the dark side of the year. And this is starting off the, the bright side of the year for me. So it's a little bit, a bit of a tradition for me to clean that up and get that reset up. It's very much a big tradition to do a bit of spring cleaning during the springtime. And a lot of times, in Ireland especially, this is a time for people to get things cleaned up before Bridget Day, Bridget's Day comes along every year. That's a traditional thing for um, Irish tradition and fairly prevalent all every, everywhere is spring cleaning. But um, another tradition that I found out about by a friend of ours during our ritual for our grove, which was a lot of fun, by the way, happened a couple days ago. By the time this podcast comes out, it'll be the 4th of February and we had our ritual on the 1st of February, so three days ago, thereabouts. Um, I found out from a lovely, lovely lady that came to our ritual. She told me there was a tradition that you basically hang up a cloth of some kind on the eve of Bridget's Day. And she will bless that cloth. And you will have that blessing for the entire year. I've heard about the ashes, where you could look in the ashes of the uh, fireplace and see where she's walked. Because apparently she is called one who visits every household in Ireland as well. So she's very big on hospitality, coming to visit people and making sure that every every household that honors her is blessed. Um, and one of the ways you can see that she's passed through is to check the ashes for signs of her footprints and things like that. But another way to do it is to, or in addition to this, is you hang up a piece of cloth and she blesses that cloth and you keep it with you during the entire year. I didn't know about this, but um, I have scarves everywhere, so I would, and I, I usually hang them up. So it was totally a tradition I did not know about, but I participated without knowing it, which is kind of entertaining. But so I've got my scarf that I got from in Ireland that I usually hang up, and, and apparently it's been blessed by Bridget, so I have the blessings of Bridget on my scarf that I got from Ireland, which is kind of awesome. Um, the Irish and Welsh hearth cultures are the ones I most identify with. So once again, in a coming, in a way of coming back to them, it's like coming home for me in a time of year that is very much about beginnings. And personally, this time of year is a very difficult time of year. Um, there's a lot of things going on and, um, a lot, but during this time of year is also a time when I lost quite a few people that were um, very important to me. Um, the main one being my mother. She passed away six or seven years ago. I can't remember the timeline exactly, but it was during this time of year that she passed away. And a couple of months later, my maternal grandmother also passed away. And I'm also finding out during this time which is part of the reason why I've been on kind of a big hiatus is that my grandmother and my grandfather, my grandmother's 92 and my grandfather's a little bit younger. 
um, but he's got Alzheimer's and dementia, and I just went back to visit them since um, last Thanksgiving, and it was very difficult. I felt I was very, very grateful that I brought my partner along with me. Um, so this time of year is about new beginnings, but it's also when something is beginning, something else has to end. So um, it's a very big transitionary kind of period for me. Um, in bulk literally means uh, bag of butter in um, Gaelic or Irish, which makes sense when you consider that this time of year meant to the farmers and the regular people living in the Irish countryside and even still today. Um, Irish Ireland is a very rural country in many ways. I just got back from there and it was amazing to find out just how much their culture and their economics still focuses on the farming areas and how serious they take keeping things very green in Ireland, um, which is totally awesome to, my, to me. Um, Bridget is, is a proper, is a popular goddess or saint, even today in modern Ireland, but she has been around since time immemorial, it seems, in one form or another. Um, candle making and bringing light into the home after the dark of the year has passed are popular and practical pastimes for this time of year, which is key in many traditions associated with Bridget in particular. Um, she's also very much associated with holy wells and places with running water. Um, there is a Bridget's well in Kildare. There's several, mind you. The one I visited in Ireland, I brought back candles that were lit from the altar. What I did when I was visiting there was I took lots, lots of pictures, so I'll post those on Facebook. This, it was a lot of fun. Um, but when we went there, went to the Bridges Well in Kildare that we visited, it's one of like five or six just in Kildare. I, we didn't go to the one that was the official one um, that is connected with the nuns and the, and the monastery and the nunnery and things like that, and the chapel and things like that. We found a Bridges Well that was very well kept. And I've got lots of pictures of it, but it was, and it was very beautiful, um, very contemplative, but it was very, it was out, outside and it had an altar next to it where you could make an offering of coinage to pay for your candles. And what I did is I paid for two candles and I let, I lit both of them, but left one lit on the altar and left it there and brought the other one home with me. I also brought some holy water from the well itself. Oddly enough, we put it into, um, gosh, a five hour energy jug thing to get it on the airplane. And that my, my partner had emptied recently by using it. And I had to remind him several times, he, he was pretty good about it, but um, not to drink it because it had holy water from the bridge as well and it was not drinkable, that kind of thing. Um, but we brought some of the holy water back and it is now part of our grove's sacred well. We now have been connected to the Bridget's holy well in Ireland, which is kind of awesome. But yes, <laughs> many other wonderful traditions 
happen during this time of year in Ireland. Um, I kind of wonder which ones will be practiced in our neck of the woods. Um, next up, we have a wonderful recipe for you to try this time of year. Pottage from the Dark Ages. I discovered this recipe in the new book by Gwion Raven, The Magic of Food, that just came out a few weeks ago. It's a fantastic read, and so far the recipes have been fantastic. It's a fascinating read, and it's fantastic recipes. Thank you, Gwion, for such a great resource. Pick up a copy today. It also is going to be reviewed in my book review. Um, so that is just after the recipe, so hold on, hold on before I go into more squeeing about this book. Um, Alright, so pottage, as I learned, is kind of a vegetable stew where the meat portion is replaced by oats to give it that thick texture that you would expect from a stew. Um, it's vegan-friendly as, as it appears in the book and as we made it for our potluck that we um, took, that we had at, at our Groves in bulk celebration this year. And we didn't have much leftovers left and everybody seemed to really, really love it. It's vegan friendly and keeps well in the fridge if there are any leftovers to freeze. Excuse me. Uh, we made it for in bulk potluck. It was spicy and warming on such a cold day, and there was very little left to bring home with us. Um, so here's the recipe we took inspiration from for our pottage. And if you have the book, the recipe we used is on page 54, and it's called Pottage from the Dark Ages. I'm going to be kind of reading directly from the book because I love the way that Guion puts this book together just just put it that way all right pottage from the dark ages pottage is thick the oats are a substitute for meat and give the stew body um, i could imagine foraging along along hedgerows and using whatever i had on hand to make pottage all right this recipe serves eight and the prep time is about 30 minutes and the cookie time is 45 minutes to all day. Okay, so list of ingredients. Eight cups of water or vegetable stock. And you can even have chicken stock if you really wanted to and you were an omnivore and you, didn't, and you wanted to add meat to this. So chicken stock or some kind of stock that you enjoy. Or water. Um, one cup of cabbage, shredded one leek sliced white parts only one turnip cubed one large carrot sliced into coins or several carrots if you just have small ones uh, one parsnip one teaspoon dried thyme one teaspoon dried sage one teaspoon dried savory three tablespoons lovage or you can even have celery leaves or parsley will do if you don't have lovage, as we didn't have lovage. We couldn't find lovage. Um, but we did make do with parsley, which was awesome. Um, salt to taste and one cup of rolled oats. 
If you have a cauldron and a tripod and want to cook this over open flame, I highly recommend it. To turn up the to turn the heat up or down, you can either raise the cauldron or manage the fire accordingly. A stock pot and an oven work perfectly well too. The instructions are easy. Fill the cauldron with water or stock and bring to a simmer. Add all the other ingredients except the oats. Crank up the heat and boil for 15 minutes or until the vegetables are soft. Reduce the heat and add the oats, then simmer for another 30 minutes. You can leave this over a low heat for as long as you want at this point. Serve in rustic bowls right from the cauldron or ladle from the stock pot. This is a particularly good with nice crusty bread of sourdough bread. Pepper wasn't available to the average 5th century peasant, but salt was. If you want to try this recipe as a noble person might have enjoyed it, add one tablespoon of turmeric and two teaspoons of fresh ground pepper when you add the other ingredients. If you're an omnivore, add a cup of chicken or rabbit. If there are leftovers, you can keep the pottage in the fridge for up to three days or, and just reheat. I doubt there will be leftovers then, and he was quite right with that. There was not very many leftovers. Um, we didn't add the chicken when we did ours, but we actually had to modify, modify the recipe a bit because we were doing it the day before ritual. So what we did basically is we had a, what do you, what do you call those things? Slow cookers. That's what they're called. Okay. We had a slow cooker, a rather large one that of, of my partner's and... What we did is we put the stock in there and we put all the ingredients in there except for the oats and we put it on high um, from the time we put it together and then went to bed, which is about maybe two to three hours. And then before we went to bed, we added the oats and the salt and the pepper and the turmeric and a couple other things that are in there that I'm missing. Um, but we put that in there put it on low and then we let it cook overnight and brought it with us for ritual and everybody seemed to love it and I, I loved it it was very spicy the parsnips and the um, other ingredients actually gave it a little bit of a kick to it a little bit of warmth and I loved the turmeric which gave it uh, gave it a really nice orangish yellow kind of color um, which made the parsley and all and the green vegetables kind of pop out which made it a lot more colorful and a lot more visually interesting but it was a very nice taste to it uh, very warming and very nice on a very very cold day and we enjoyed it very much and there was almost no no leftovers um we ended up accidentally leaving it out so sadly we had to throw out like the maybe two servings that was left and another thing I will, I will add is that it gets really, really thick. And if you don't like thick porridge kind of looking kind of things, well, you can do what we did and add some extra water in there to kind of loosen things up and turn it into more of a soup. Me personally, I would prefer it a little bit thicker, but it does get really, really thick, especially when you're doing it in the um, slow cooker and not over the stove and watching it 24-7. 
um, but it was excellent and I love the directions and as you heard here he's got a very nice sense of humor and a sense of history that I really really like and okay so I hope you enjoy um, that recipe as much as I did and since we're on the topic of books I'm going to be doing the book review and once and it is the magic of food by we own raven which just came out a couple weeks ago we got we got it on pre-order from um i think it was amazon it might have been barnes noble but it is available on barnes noble amazon and i go through my three r's with this book um it is very readable um he, once again he's got a sense of humor there's lots of history involved in it, but it doesn't get it make it dry. And if you like the history of food, um, and you would just like ritual food to actually have some historical connotations and still be really, really good food and be really, really interesting and really easy to do, um, this is definitely a very readable book. Um, it's also very rereadable. There's lots of information in here, and it would be probably a recipe book that I would turn to for a lot of things. I'm probably going to move a lot of the recipes that I use on a, on a relatively often basis to my own recipe book, so I can have a hold of them without having to get the whole book out. But it's still a very awesome book to read over and over, and I've read it several times, and... It's got several different ritual books, rituals in here that you can try. It's got lots of recipes in here, lots of bonus recipes. I can't wait, wait to try the rolled date bites. And I've already tried, let's see what, well, the pottage, of course. But um, there's also one in here. Let's see if I can find it. There's also Bridget bread. I could have used bread pudding and whiskey sauce for Bridget, which would have been kind of awesome. Um, there's also Winter's Feast Shepherd's Pie to um, live for. And it looks awesome. It's made with actual lamb, which is actual shepherd's pie and not a cottage pie as you find in a lot of restaurants. And let's see, where is it? Yeah, Pottage for the Dark Ages. Super quick bonus recipe for warmed figs. There is not a single recipe in here that I wouldn't love to do. Um, salmon would salmon with hazelnut topping. Oh gosh, where is that? Um, okay, so what it is is what the one I really like. The first thing that I did from this book was actually the wine for a warmed wine for a good home, I believe. And I didn't have all the ingredients, but it was still absolutely marvelous to have. Um, I'll find it la later on for um, for the actual recipe. But it was basically a warmed wine that you added uh, citrus to and several um, other spices to. And you let that warm smell and um, just the essence of it, it just... It smelled wonderful, by the way, and let it fill the home with lots of warmth, with lots of um, cleansing, and um, just all the good things were filling the home with that good smell that was filling the home. So um, it was also a spell. So it was really, really fun to do. It was really, really simple. Just take a couple cups of wine and add a couple more ingredients and allow it to simmer on the stove and let the smell fill the home. Really, really simple. And... 
He didn't mention particularly that you could drink it afterwards, but I did actually drink the wine afterwards and it was awesome. Um, it wasn't a fairly good wine that I used and um, the ingredients that he had to add actually made the wine drinkable and easy to drink and was a great end to that um, sort of ritual bringing good things into the home. But yes, it is very readable, it is very re-readable, and the references in the back, um, I will say that the, rep the bibliography is a little bit short. It's only um, two pages, two pages long, but it does have a variety of sources that you can draw from, and the earliest one that it actually draws from is from 1900, I believe. And the latest one is from 2018. So it's got somewhat of a variety of sources. So it's a decent bibliography. It's not the best bibliography. But then again, you can just talk to Guion online and he'll tell you all the stuff that you need to know. But um, anyway, it's not the best bibliography, but it is not the worst I've seen. Um, it's got a wide variety of sources if you want to look more into what the history of food is and... Mostly it's about the recipes, and the recipes are really kind of awesome. And the rituals, I haven't done any of them, but I've read through here and I've looked at them, and they look awesome. So overall, the word I would have to use to describe this book is awesome. I've used it a lot. Um, once again, you can pick this up on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and we pre-ordered it, and it is a great um, little book. It's paperback, the one we have, and I really like that. Um, we didn't order a hard copy version, if there is a hard copy version. I don't think so, but there could be. Um, but I do like the paperback edition because it's, a, it's more flexible, it's not as chunky, and you can carry it around with you if you want. But yeah, it's a great book. It definitely belongs on my shelf, and I will be keeping it up there for many years. I will actually be making the wine again tonight probably because I actually have all the ingredients now so it'll be the proper recipe for wine rather than the um, inspirational one that I used the ingredients I had on hand which is just fine and tastes great and did what it needed to be doing but pick up a copy and leave comments on it and make sure he knows how wonderful a resource this really really is all right so thank you guys for listening and next up we have our community calendar and just for a heads up if you'd like to have your event listed and sorry if i'm moving through the, moving through this so fast i'm i when i get excited things move very quickly um but so next up we have our community calendar once again if you'd like your community event to be listed on here throw me an email um i have several Things on here that were just given to me by people over email saying, hey, this is an event we have in our local area. Can you please put it on your podcast? Um, I would love to hear more about local festivals. Um, I've got the ones mostly that are on the ADF website in their ADF events page where they actually have a presence at. So that's the ones that I have. Um, and I have a couple of them that were from subscribers that sent me in information for events in their area and things like that but I always would are looking am looking for more I know there are pagan events around that need more um broader audience what is that word 
Um, but anyway, they they need more people to come in order to support their their um, their efforts and their festivals. And speaking of that, um, it's very I'm very sad to say that. Let's see which one was it. Uh, was it Paganicon? Is it the Paganicon? Um, no, no, it was not Paganicon. That's not happening today. Um, oh, it was Ghosticon. Ghosticon. Ghosticon, I just went on their website to update their, um, update their information because it's coming up in, in a bit, like in March or something. Um, But I was sad to see that on their website they have, due to low registration, GhostyCon 2020 has been canceled and any tickets or hotel purchases refunded in full. And this, um, this particular convention is put on by the Tier of the Cloud Grove ADF and is located, I'm just bringing it up on the website, um, where, where are you guys located? Um, they are in Albany, New York. And sadly, their, their festival did not get put on because of lack of interest and lack of registration. So when we have these festivals that come up, um, it's good to make sure everybody knows about them because not everybody knows about all the festivals that are going on in their area even. Um, and because this particular one didn't have enough registration, it's not able to be put on because they don't have the money to bring you the best festival that they can and do all the things they want to do. So if you hear about a festival and you want it to get a little bit more um, people knowing about it, then I am totally willing to put this put them on my podcast if you send me the information. Um, I was really sad to hear about the um, the GhostyCon not, not coming out this year because of lack of registration. And I really want to put it out there that I want to hear about the festivals that are going on in your area. And I want them to get the coverage that they really, really should and need to have in order to keep going. So that's my whole little blurb there. So send me through kindlingthehearthfire at gmail.com if you have any events you want to add to this list that you want to get coverage. All right, so moving on to the festivals that are going to be happening in the next two to three months. The first one that is coming up is going to be Pantheacon, which is a pan-pagan convention. And just as a heads up, this is the 26th Pantheacon, and it is going to be the last official Pantheacon. So if you wanted to go to Pantheacon, this would and see it for what it was for all for those 26 years check it out this year because it's going to be the last time you'll be able to um, where it is being run by the same people they're trying to get together a new group that is going to create a festival a similar festival running during the same weekend at the same hotel but they're not going to be called pantheacon any longer um it's called between the veils um on facebook if you want to look that up and try to get involved they also have an event at pantheacon like a roundtable discussion on what you would like in this new festival, how to get it set up, and where they are at in the planning process. So if you want to get involved in revamping 
the festival happening in the San Jose area, go ahead and check that out. But the Pantheacon, the last Pantheacon, the pan, last Pantheacon is going to be happening this year at the Doubletree Hotel in San Jose, California. And it is running from February 14th to the 16th, 2020. And their website is pantheacon.com if you want more information on what's going on and also the groups and what's going to be happening there. All right, check that out. And the next convention that is going to be having, once again, another pan-pagan convention that ADF has a, a presence at is going to be Convocation. Um, it is going to be happening February 21st to the 24th at the Dearborn Detroit Doubletree by Hilton. And their website is a little bit longer, so I will be posting that in the show notes so you can click on that. But you can go to their website, look up Convocation um, Pagan Festival, and you'll find lots of information on, on that and find out how to register, where it's located, and what amenities are going to be available in the area. Okay, and one and the next convention that's coming up is Paganicon. Paganicon, um, it is going to be happening March twentieth to the twenty second, I believe. Um, let, let me double check the dates on that because I went just went through that. Um, pre registration has ended and it starts March twentieth through the twenty second. Yes. March 20th through the 22nd, 2020. I forgot to change the year on my notes, so that threw me off a little. So, But it's going to be located in the Doubletree Park Place in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. And you can find more information on how to register, what's going on, and how you can get involved at paganicon.org. And the next but and last um, but not least um, festival that's happening is going to be the Trillium Spring Gathering. And this is going to be happening April 16th to the April 19th, 2020. And it's going to be at Thor's Hollow Retreat, Cross Junction, Virginia, in the United States. And their website is Trillium... Trillium... Wait a second. TrilliumGatheringADF.org all one word and I was trying to read it say what is the words in that but um, once again it'll be in the show notes the link to it but it's trillium gathering adf all one word dot org and that is the website where you can find more information on how to get involved and go to this lovely lovely festival all right and last but not last but not least we already did the book review all right um, I should update my notes occasionally. <laughs> but, um, all right. Wrapping up, I would like to once again thank Bonnie Landry, who you heard in the intro with her performance of Fire Burn Bright, which was, re which was created by, um, by Emerald and put together by Emerald um, as well. And we're getting ready to put the next podcast together at kindling the hearth fire and if you have any ideas celebrations poems songs invocations or anything else you'd like to hear included in the podcast please send them to kindling the hearth fire at gmail.com 
Once again, you can find the podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and on Patreon. Um, and next episode is going to be, let's see, let's look up here. I've got the, um, the calendar for the astrological day when the actual high days are happening. And I'm kind of going to be turning that into my little calendar. So the next episode is going to be coming out on Thursday, March 19th. That gives you about six weeks from today. So if you have anything to contribute for that particular episode from now until a couple days before that, probably the 17th is probably is probably a good cutoff date. So March 17th. Before then, if you can get things in for the next podcast, that would be appreciated. Um, I'm sorry this is a little rushed sounding. Um, my throat is about to go out on me. I have no idea why that's happening. I'm not sick or anything. but um, So I'm trying to get this out before my voice goes out. So thank you guys for listening. Um may you be well and may you continue to pray with a good fire and thank you for listening to the podcast and have a great day.